This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Is there a correct way to pray? Jesus prayed continually, and he taught his disciples on this subject. Let's learn the kind of prayer our Heavenly Father loves as we continue our sermon series, What Jesus Says, with today's message about authentic prayer. Today we're going to be sitting in on the Jesus School of Prayer, and I hope you'll stay with us as we worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty and loving God, we praise you for your faithfulness, your everlasting kindness, and steadfast love. May our time together in worship today be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our salvation. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. Jesus said, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Here ends our reading. Dear friends, it has been said, The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer but unoffered prayer. How true. Prayer is one of the most important things a citizen of the kingdom of God can be doing. Because prayer is our lifeline to God, our source of strength. It's our guidance along the way. You can't help but notice as you read through the Gospels that Jesus was always off praying before the day started and even when the day ended. Yet many of us seem to struggle with fitting prayer into our lives. Perhaps we struggle with it because we're not sure how to do it. Uh, Maybe we've been disappointed by it. Maybe we have the wrong idea of what prayer is. I came across this little letter from a child. said, Dear God, I'd like these things. A new bicycle, a number three chemistry set, a dog, a movie camera, a first baseman glove. If I can't have them all, I would like to have most of them. Yours truly, Eric. P.S. I know there's no Santa Claus. (laughs) Some of us just have our struggles with prayer. And today we're going to let the expert, Jesus, our master, teach us as his apprentices about authentic prayer that our Heavenly Father loves. Jesus begins by telling us that we're 
not to be mechanical with our prayer time, like the pagans who use all kinds of empty words and phrases in hopes of getting the God's attention, kind of treating God like a genie, rub the lamp, say the right formula, and you'll get what you want. He says, uh, first of all, though, we notice the importance of prayer that Jesus emphasizes here when he says, when you are praying, not if you are praying. He assumes we will be people of prayer as followers of Jesus. Prayer is vital. We notice that prayer here isn't a way to manipulate or impress God to get him to do something for you, but it's meant to be a time to commune with him, to develop a relationship. He says, uh, let your words be sincere and thoughtful and from the heart. You don't have to come pestering God to get his attention. You don't have to grovel. You don't have to flail yourself. You don't have to bite your lip and groan and moan and all those things people do to show God that they really mean business. I mean, if as a parent, if one of my kids ever called me and said, Daddy, please, 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 I beg of you, I petition of you, I'm pleading with you to listen to my need, I'd say, Time out. I don't like the underlying assumption here. You don't have to go through all those gymnastics. I love you. Nothing is more important to me than you. Nothing gives me greater pleasure than meeting your needs. So we come with that kind of an attitude, Jesus says. Not like those that are trying to be mechanical, but be thoughtful. And Jesus also then gives us a framework for our own prayer time with God. He says, pray then in this way, about these things. You and I know this prayer that he taught them as the Lord's Prayer. Some have pointed out in the past that it would be better to call it the Disciples' Prayer since it asks for forgiveness and Jesus never sinned. Really doesn't matter. but And some people say, well, are we supposed to just say it in rote or can we Use it as a framework? I say either way. We can say it as a whole if we're not doing it thoughtlessly on automatic pilot. But Jesus seems to have given this to us also to use as a framework, a pattern in our own prayer. When we approach God, he says, pray then in this way. So let's look at those petitions that Jesus gives us to work off of. He says, as you approach God in prayer, there's a certain attitude in the way you approach him. He says, you say, our Father in heaven. Father. It, it seems to intimate uh, ultimate love. Martin Luther picks up on this in a small catechism and the meaning to that open. He says, what God means is pray to him with complete confidence just as children speak to their loving Father. In heaven, he's acknowledging, when we say that, uh, ultimate power. He's not talking about a location, a zip code, but God's status. We are acknowledging that he has ultimate power over this world, the sovereign majesty of God. He's able to do all things. So with the opening, we approach with confidence, and with reverence. After we approach, we talk to him about his person. Hallowed be your name. That's expressing your concern for God's name. It's well, 
The Bible talks about name. He's talking about his person, his character. Of course, God's person, his name is already holy, which is what hallowed means. But in praying hallowed be your name, you're asking that he be honored, that you desire that he be reverenced above all things and worshipped, first of all by yourself and then by the world around you. You might take time here to talk about his character qualities, to think about the things that deserve praise from his creation, his faithfulness, his wisdom, his power, his grace and kindness and love and justice, and the list can go on and on. And after you've talked to the Father then about his person, his name, talk about his program. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, when Jesus began his ministry, he proclaimed that God's kingdom was at hand. This was his good news. Talking about God's rule and governance over this world. Taking over and changing lives. He has a plan to bring all people into his kingdom and restore his broken world. We know that someday we will see its culmination as followers of Jesus. Jesus promised when one day he would reappear. So in praying this petition about his program, we're reminded again that history is his story, God's story. And we're moving towards seeing Jesus again in all his power and majesty and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where people love God above all things and one another as God originally intended. We look forward to that great day. We pray for it to come sooner than later. But we also, in the meantime, pray that it might come and take over our personal lives and the lives of those around us as well, in our church, in our community, in our small part of the world. That program also includes his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus says. As it is in heaven, uh, it's an interesting phrase. Scripture gives us a few glimpses of heaven, and the picture is of angels in heaven standing ready to do God's bidding, his perfect obedience. God's uh, perfect will is being carried out. We're praying, may that be the case in our world. God's will will be done. Where there's hatred, may there be love. Where there is brokenness, may there be healing. Where there is darkness, may there be the light of the gospel. We pray also that God's will be done in my life as an individual. I need to remind myself that God doesn't exist to do my will. It's his will just to be carried out in my life. And as Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was taken to the cross, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. His will is to be done in our lives, our businesses, our homes, and our relationships. For his rule and his will for us is what's best for us. That's the program. After we've talked to the Father about his person and his program, then we talk to the Father about our needs. Interesting, isn't it? His priorities before ours. 
how tempting it is to turn that around in our prayer time, thinking that and acting like God exists for our name, our person, our kingdoms, and our wills to be done. Jesus teaches us otherwise. Now we talk about his provision for us. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice the pronoun change. We move from your to our. We here are expressing our dependence and trust in God alone. That he is the giver of all we need for life in this world. Uh, Daily bread. The necessities for each day. He's not talking about daily cake, daily steak. Talking about not luxuries, but our needs for the day. And after asking for provision, we address our spiritual need. We ask for his pardon. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When Jesus uses that word debt, he's talking about our sinfulness, our debt before God. All of us stand as debtors before God for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God with our thoughts and our words and our actions. Sometimes our lack of actions. We are sinners in need of forgiveness. And so we turn to the Lord. We say, Lord, we need your forgiveness. We pray it with the confidence that we know that Jesus has died to pay for our sins. But notice what Jesus tacks on to this. He says, as we forgive our debtors. Lord, help me to forgive as you have forgiven me. The ancient theologian of the early church, Augustine, labeled this request for forgiveness the terrible petition. Because if we harbor an unforgiving spirit while we pray to be forgiven in the same way as we forgive others, we are actually then asking God not to forgive us. At the end of the prayer, in fact, Jesus goes on to enumerate a little little more on the importance of forgiving those that have sinned against you. After we've talked about our provision and our pardon, we turn to God and ask him for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a spiritual battle going on here. We acknowledge this. We are under attack by the evil one, Satan. He's a defeated enemy, but until Jesus uh, reappears, uh, we're in the midst of mop-up operations, and he's out prowling around like a lion seeking to destroy us and keep us from walking with God. Father, protect me, we pray. Don't let me fall to give in to temptation. These last three petitions... uh, By the way, after we've asked for the front end for God's glory and honor, we talk about our needs, provision, pardon, and protection. These are prayed with the attitude of absolute dependence. They're a reminder of our human vulnerabilities, our frailties, how much we need God. John Stott, the great biblical theologian, said uh, dependence is a fundamental attitude for all of us. 
when we say the Lord's Prayer. What we're doing when we pray this prayer is expressing our dependence upon God in every area of our lives. It's no wonder that AA meetings always end with the Lord's Prayer. Because if anyone knows what it means to be dependent upon God to get through a day, it's the addict. Needs God's mercy and grace. You and I know, uh, we sometimes uh, start thinking we're pretty independent, but things get thrown in our direction, though, that remind us of our humanity and our dependence on God. An illness hits. I think of a friend of mine, his name is Bill, he has chronic fatigue syndrome, lives every day at absolute pain. Some days he says he can't even get out of bed to go to the bathroom. He says, I have to focus on God and just say, God, the next moment is yours, help me. He's learned absolute dependence on God, that he's dependent to even walk across the room to live with pain. A few years ago, a book came out by a fellow named Doug Copeland, written for Generation Xers, talking about, uh, the, the book is called Life After God, what life is like without God. But at the very end, listen to what he writes to the reader. Now here is my secret, he says. I tell you with an openness of heart that I doubt I shall ever achieve again. So I pray that you're in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is that I need God, that I'm sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I no longer seem capable of giving, to help me to be kind as I seem no longer capable of kindness, to help me to love as I seem beyond being able to love. I need God. You see, God created us with a design, and our design is that we be dependent on him. That's how you pray, Jesus said. Pray like that. Praying like this led the early church to eventually add a doxology that Jesus didn't have in there. It's a song of praise and trust. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Talking about God's preeminence. They learned from experience that his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. He is supreme and he is able and above all things and over all things. And so as we pray this prayer to him as his children, we are confident in that. Well, Jesus' prayer class is over for now. The question is, what will you do with what he's taught you today? I am as guilty of this as anyone else. Sometimes go off to a conference and take all my notes and attend these wonderful seminars. And when I get back to my job, I put the notebook back on the shelf only to be forgotten. What a shame. Is that what we're going to do with this lesson? Just put it on the shelf? Jesus would have us take the next step. Find a quiet place. Make an appointment with the Father. Approach him thoughtfully like a confident child approaches a loving father and commence in prayer. Using this pattern as you turn humbly, dependently, 
and confidently to your Father who loves you. Dear friend, now let's pray. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. Please join me in this prayer of thanks. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of approaching you in prayer. Thank you for the Savior who died for us and taught us not only the value of prayer, but how to pray. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will encourage you to find a quiet place where you can prayerfully approach your Heavenly Father who loves you. As a child approaches a loving Father, thoughtfully, humbly, and confidently. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported by gifts from our listeners. Our weekly worship service is broadcast each week over 29 radio stations in 12 states across the United States as well as on shortwave across North America and Europe, satellite, ROKU, and Imani Radio in Katali, Kenya. If today's message has been of spiritual comfort to you, we ask that you remember the ministry with your gifts and prayers. Many people choose to give a memorial or honorarium gift for a loved one. All contributions to this ministry are tax-deductible. Address your gifts to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-693-2484. In the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Please consider a thoughtful gift today to help keep this ministry on the air for many years to come. You can find today's program and many other past programs on the Internet. Be sure to visit our website at www.christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are happy you chose to worship with us this morning and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting today's service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.